When you create environments where people feel comfortable expressing themselves, you begin to realize how more connected than disconnected we are as human beings. We're obviously living in a time that's full of uncertainty. But what decisions can we make to create more joy, connection, and solidarity, even at work? It's a question we're all facing right now. Welcome back to Joy at Work. I'm your host, Alex Liu, Managing Partner and Chairman at Kearney. 2020 is a year that has forced many of us to examine our values and really put them into practice. Today's guest has been on that journey just like the rest of us. Alicia Tillman is Global Chief Marketing Officer at the enterprise technology company, SAP. SAP is an iconic global powerhouse with over 100,000 employees, almost a half million customers, and touches almost, this is a staggering number, almost 80% of the world's transactions. So Alicia is at the center of a company that is at the center of the world's business. In her personal platform, Alicia has always been an advocate of transparency and leadership, purpose-driven marketing, and good corporate citizenship. She joins us today to talk about how those abstract values have really come to life during this crazy and tumultuous year. So welcome to our podcast community, Alicia. Great to have you. Alex, thank you so much for having me today. Let's start off here on a personal level. I mean, obviously, you have a great deal of personal charisma, energy, spirit that comes through loud and clear, even virtually. Where do you get your energy and inspiration, especially in crazy times like this? I've always believed that life is about keeping it in perspective. I have a great family and we're healthy and we're safe. We have had a great period of time together over these past seven months, time that we haven't had in a lifetime. And we've appreciated that. We've had to rediscover how to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries a bit differently. And, and it's been fun. And despite the challenge that's happening, you know, out in our communities and professionally, all of the, the challenges and hardships we've had to overcome, my ability to get through that, you know, with a healthy sense of optimism and not a whole lot of frustration or anger is typically not part of my practice because because I stay very grounded in the things that I am quite thankful for and having our health and our safety and the time to be together like we have is has been a tremendous sense of inspiration for me and, and always has been. That's a theme that's been picked up in many forums and it resonates with me as well. This theme of gratitude, discovering what's important, having the right integration of life and work, you know, even when the world around you is going crazy. Obviously, you are leading, you know, many people in many countries in your day job, but also I'm assuming you have, you said, mentioned children at home, family, birthdays, and at times people can get on each other's nerves. I'm sure that happened even in your household. <laughs> I mean, how do you do that? I mean, how do you balance the sort of that work-life boundary and still be a role model for the people that count on you day in, day out, not only at work, but also at home? I have two very small kids, both under the age of 12. My daughter's 11 and my son is nine. And my husband is also a working professional and, you know, a lot to juggle in the households, you know, certainly if you have children. And then I have a, a, a pretty big job alongside of that. And oftentimes I'm asked, you know, how do I do it all? And, and I think, you know, oftentimes I respond by saying, by not 
overthinking the juggle that needs to happen and just getting on with it. You know, I have a great partner in my husband. You know, we really divide and conquer in our household and that is much needed. And then I do spend the time to be as organized as possible to, you know, wake up each morning and look out onto the day and recognize what has to be managed and you know, put in place as much as I can, who needs to be where and when and who's accountable for it. I've also learned very quickly, too, that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign that you're focused on inclusion and creating an environment where everyone is, in fact, helping each other. And that includes helping, you know, myself and and those around me. And I think that that's really important. Let's look at the the world of work now. Obviously, it's a crazy world. There's no normal, no time zone. You're in a global company. How do you and did you keep in touch with all the teammates, customers, internal stakeholders, especially during this period of time? The one commitment that I made to my team at the start of the pandemic was that it's such a difficult, unprecedented period And I knew how much communication from me mattered to my team. I manage just under 2,000 marketers worldwide that are placed in virtually all of the 180 countries in which we operate. So I made this commitment to my team that every single week you are going to hear from me. You're going to hear from me either in written form I'm going to send a video. I'm going to host a live coffee corner. There is going to be something that I will communicate every week because I know that during periods of crisis, communications from leadership is needed more than ever. It's needed to help inform, but it's needed to also give hope. I look back now on these seven months and happy to say that I have not missed a week of communicating. I've held true to my word. And my communications have been everything from talking about the effect of the pandemic on our company and what we need to do. So very, very prescriptive about what I need from my team in terms of how I need them to operate and what I need them to prioritize to spending time encouraging everyone to take care of themselves. Every week there was something new that I was communicating and it took on a different tone and style based on what the subject matter was. And certainly by the amount of communications I get back from the team, I know how much it means to them to feel as though someone cares enough to communicate with them every week, that I focus on keeping people informed. Even if I don't have answers, they say that it's good to hear my voice and to know what's going on. And that's one of the things that I've focused on very consistently, and I'm probably the most proud of because it's been very meaningful to my employees across the globe. The regularity, the clarity, the scope of your communications, I mean, it's uh, its pretty uh, inspiring. So congratulations on getting the company through that period with that unique set of ingredients. Thank you for that. Obviously, you are who you are, and the way you're able to step up with the challenge came through. But do you think there'll be some changes after the pandemic hopefully subsides that you'll take even more or incorporate into your way of working and leadership style? Yeah, I mean, empathy has always been something that I have practiced considerably in my leadership style, but I think empathy has become even more important. And the practice of of not only understanding and listening to what's affecting 
your employees, but also how you can help. And I do think that we live in a world where more action is needed to help solve a lot of the challenges that in some cases have been around for a long time. And I do think calling on companies, calling on business leaders to really use their resources and their scale to support a lot of the change that needs to happen in the world. I do think that that's something that has uh, been a strong action that we've seen people respond with. But I think it's also going to continue post-pandemic as well, because you know if we think of brands today and the greatest value that they can provide at a consumer level, it is in large part not just about the quality of the products you deliver or the experience that you deliver, but it's also about how much change or good you use your brand for because consumers want to be part of a community. They're buying into a community where there's shared values and there is a very strong purpose to truly using your brand to help the world become a better place. So I think that that is going to be an imperative for leaders and for businesses to continue to think about the actions they can take to help support. And then I think, you know, at a leadership level, as I've talked about empathy, I think we need to continue in businesses to create safe spaces for employees to talk about things that are on their minds and, you know, how their business can be a place of hope and a place of change so that they can feel as if, you know, as an employee, they're investing their professional life in a place that's going to be best aligned to their values and let lets them bring their their full sense of self to the business every single day. And so I think that's going to be a, a continued requirement of companies. And it's going to be a continued requirement of leaders to ensure that they are creating those safe spaces to really promote the diversity and the inclusion that's going to be needed to help deliver on really what it is our customers are going to be asking of us. There's a a quote that I heard from someone, I can't remember where, but I've heard it several times now, which is, it's okay to not be okay. And I know that mental health, coping and caring are all important. It links to your empathy umbrella. What are you doing as a firm to help promote that and make that more accessible? One of the things that we have taken on board as a company is to put direct visibility and awareness around resources. In fact, we promoted this on a lot of our social channels in the past week as we look to to raise awareness on, you know, Mental Health Day and the resources that we offer and where to find them and how to help, whether it be live people that you can talk with or resources that you can use to read, to become educated, to help you understand where you can go to seek advice and help and counsel. And I wanted to do this because, you know, oftentimes there was, you know, a a saying that exists that says, you know, you have to have a separation between your personal life and your professional one. And any issues you may have going in your personal life, you have to check them you know, and leave them at the front door when you're going into work each day. And you needed to sort of 
bring a different person into your professional life as if some of the challenges you may be dealing with at home didn't exist. And it's just not humanly possible to do that. We all know that. And we need to be able to create these safe spaces in the environments in which we work for leaders to allow employees to talk about things that are on their minds or things that they may need help with that they're struggling with at home that are having an impact on their performance in the office. We have to be able to say that it's okay for you to have a discussion like that with your leader and that your leader should not judge you for that, but should more help extend an empathetic manner in listening to that by helping to direct that person to resources or to create some sort of a flexible schedule if necessary to allow them to manage that appropriately and to help them through that. That makes so much sense to me. And I applaud you for that because these courageous conversations, having the the personal narratives that come through, whether it's regarding gender justice or racial justice or destigmatizing mental health, it seems that's the right step forward. I mean, one thing that we did just this week was we had launched a program called This Is Me, where people were on just the mental health topic were videotaped. Some of it was written narratives, but talking about their unique situation and how they were able to get comfort how they're different. And I tell you, it just opened up because it was safe to to make it available. People were putting themselves out on the line. Then it just opened up the door for a lot of other people saying, yeah, no, I see your point. And it, it really supports your empathy point, I think, Alicia, also, right? You know, we are all different and we all have different issues and challenges. Let's just support each other, get through this together. I think that's kind of what you, you've done. Even with 100,000 <laughs> employees, connecting them is, you know, on paper, a tough task, but spiritually you can connect them. Absolutely right. When you create environments where people feel comfortable expressing themselves, you begin to realize how more connected than disconnected we are as human beings. And that's the beauty and and really at the heart of a diverse and inclusive culture. You know, oftentimes diversity and inclusion is dealt with in terms of hiring a diverse workforce and putting goals in place based on the number of women you hire or the number of black employees that you hire. But it goes so beyond numbers of people and making sure that you have the right ratios of diversity. And and it's so much more about how you can create an environment that is based on shared values and an ability to have different perspectives on issues and seeing how people react differently or think differently to topics that matter to our society, our economy, the environment. It's more about that. You know, inclusivity goes beyond, as I said, the types of people you have. And that certainly matters. But in my view, it's so much more about how you allow people to connect based on their beliefs and their values and creating a safe space to allow for that. That makes sense too. I mean, it's not a statistic. It's not targets. It's a sense of belonging and engagement. Now, obviously SAP is a unique company in that it's so huge, right? It's, as we said, you know, touching 80% of the world's business transactions. How do you infuse that spirit of workplace inclusion and justice beyond your borders to the customers that you serve or the the countries which have very different values and different sources of injustice? Is it a matter of 
you know, unique conversations in each region, you know, U.S. will be different than Middle East, for example. I will tell you that earlier this year, I made a change to my leadership team because I didn't feel that I had the right levels of global versus local representation on my leadership team. I wanted to change that dynamic because I oversee marketing for the entire company across our entire customer base and all the countries in which we operate. And yes, while there needs to be standards in operating, we also need to be very cognizant of the local nuances that exist to be able to inform those standards. It's been such a an incredible dynamic because, as I said, yes, there needs to be standards in operating, but the best way to gain adherence to standards that you put in place is having people at the table that are representative of all of the regions in which you operate. Because if my greater China team recognizes that their leader was part of helping to shape the standards, they have a more of a willingness to want to embrace and adopt them because they know that their needs and the nuances in which they operate in within their region have been taken under consideration when developing that global standard. And so there's a far greater ability for acceptance around that standard as a result. Whereas by contrast, if my entire leadership team is based in the U.S., and they are developing standards that get rolled out to the entirety of the world in which we operate, there's going to be reluctance to accept that because the general perception will be that none of the local cultures or nuances associated with the markets in which they operate in were taken under consideration. Now, that may or may not be the truth, but being who's on your leadership team and the markets that they represent is very, very important when it comes to having acceptance towards certain things that you're putting in place. And so that is something that I take tremendous pride in, in creating an inclusive community, especially when it comes to strategy development or things that are going to have an effect across the entire team. That was why it's important to me to have representation of the global world in which we operate as part of my leadership team. Now, that sounds like a force multiplier on the inclusion lever you talk about. Absolutely. Now, it's only a few more months till the end of 2020, (laughs) and it's a crazy time. We've learned some lessons. I just wanted you to put on your futurist hat, maybe your crystal ball. I mean, if we look back a year from now, what do you think joy at work or work itself will have changed in 2020? I think that businesses will have a deeper appreciation for listening and responding to the issues that are affecting our customers and what they expect of businesses in the form of action to help solve them. Our communities have been working to become comfortable with their voices, their voices around what they want, what they need, what matters to them, what kind of change they expect companies to lead. So a lot of speaking up and being comfortable with speaking out about issues, I think has been a lot of what we've been experiencing over the past few years. And that this year has now accelerated the need for action. 
And I think that that is going to be a requirement. And I do believe that the best brands will be brands that not only understand, but that take action. The second thing that I would say is that leaders will become even more empathetic than they have ever been before, because we've all had to live through this global pandemic. We've all had to juggle our personal lives together with our professional ones. So many have had to deal with hardship and loss and sickness throughout this period in some form or another. So many people have had just a deeper appreciation for what I spoke about in the very beginning, which is really keeping life in perspective, understanding what matters and don't sweat the small stuff because there's a lot of challenge that's happening right around us. And in some cases, in our own families, our own communities, at a leadership level, what's really going to set apart the great leaders from the not so great leaders are those that, that take that on board and reflect it in their leadership style in terms of how they show how much they care and create spaces where not only people feel comfortable, but feel as though they can bring their best self, whatever that may look like, to be able to pour it into their work and deliver a product that I think is going to be diverse, yet anchored in a core set of values that are going to seem more common across you know, our employee bases than not. And so I think this empathetic leadership is only going to grow, which is a great thing because I think it just creates higher performing workforces. And when we do that, then we compel our brands more towards action, giving customers what they want. And then ultimately, the world will prosper, creating a better world, a more connected world, a world that's based on action and community and purpose. I think that if we get all of those things right, then there's going to be a great silver lining to this period that we've all been living in. And frankly, I feel very optimistic and energized and inspired by it. I look forward to the day where we emerge, but I also know that the path to getting there has been a hard fought one, but I think we're all going to become better people, better brands as a result of it. Love it. Action, empathy, purpose. I'm going to follow you, Alicia. I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, Alex. Yeah, no, I mean, if we can all take sources of inspiration from each other and learn from one another and listen to one another and care for each other when care is needed. I do think that that helps to lift us all up and give back to the world what we want it to be and how we want to leave it for our children or grandchildren or friends, you know, our families. I think we can all do our part and and lean on each other for sure. Well, thank you, Alicia. These are very inspiring lessons. I really appreciate your taking the time to share your thoughts and perspectives with our podcast community. And it's becoming a movement. There's a lot of energy behind this. And I really appreciate your your optimism, your spirit and your time today. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been wonderful spending time with you and having this conversation. If you're looking for ways to build more connection and solidarity at work, subscribe to Joy at Work wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd love to hear about how you're finding hope and joy through your work. Share on social media with the hashtag joy at work. 
If you have questions you'd like us to answer this season, please email us at joy at carney.com. Joy at Work is produced by Carney, a global management consulting firm. We help our clients reach their full potential and find the way forward even during uncertain times. Learn more at carney.com slash joy at work.